Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. The Rockets are the hottest team in the league, winners of the last seven. A block from Giannis. Bucks, you have a new all-time blocks leader. True Giannis delivered. Giannis is upon us. On a night where Steph Curry might make official what we most certainly already know, that he is the greatest three-point shooter the NBA has ever seen. Steph Curry off the mark. Just not falling tonight for Stephen Curry. Thibault is one of the elite defenders in the game of basketball. He's showing that tonight. No records broken tonight. That was not happening on my court. There's no way. Durant has played 41 minutes tonight. 50% from the floor. 50% from three. Can he get 50? Yes, he can! That's a new arena record. I'm so shiny, I'm like, You just gotta let it show. LeBron tracking him. Yeah. I told you he was tracking him. LeBron, the triple-double. What a weekend it was in the NBA, and we have it all covered for you on NBA Today. KD goes for 51. LeBron and Yadis had themselves a little Sunday fun day with triple-doubles. And as everybody knows, this league is never short on drama. So should the Pelicans shut down Zion Williamson for the season? Which teams are the best fits for Ben Simmons? And is it time for Minnesota to trade Carl Anthony Towns? We get into all of that. Plus, Adrian Wojnarowski joins us for a live report on the Bulls, who now have 10 players in the NBA's COVID protocols. But before we get into all of that, I want to introduce our panel for today. It is two-time WNBA All-Star, Madame Chenea Agumake, and an All-Star in all of our hearts, senior writer <laughs> Zach Lowe, who... Both of you guys, on Friday's show, I asked you if it wasn't Steph Curry, who would be the MVP? And you said, Cheney. Kevin Durant. And KD <laughs> heard you. Because when Kevin Durant and the Pistons were taking, Kevin Durant and the Nets were taking on the Pistons, KD put on a show. Remember, in this one, they did not have James Harden, but no James Harden, really no problem. Absolutely. KD was sensational, and I love how he gets it off the dribble, hits down, you know, threes, then he makes pull-ups, and he hits turnaround fadeaways, getting to his spots, top of the key, uh, corner elbows, those kill spots that Hoopers love. He was going crazy, Malika. Well, he had 22 points in the first half alone, but then it did not stop in the third uh, quarter. Oh, uh, has he? Got you. Through two. One of the rim. Reverse left. I, I got to see this again. Run it back. Run it back. Like a Drake track. Okay, perfect. Has he? Look at the split, the defense, and then the double clutch. I mean, what he was doing, pick and roll at the top of the key, knock down the three. He was getting exactly what he wanted at all points of the game. I just love it. And then here, as we enter the fourth quarter, this is his 33rd point. What does he do? Bring it up? Like, no one can guard him. Pick him up at half. Shoot, pick him up when he has the ball. Again, 49th point at this point. Blows by and one sign. Uh, that's a nice look. That, but, that looks good. You know, Coopers, they know. They know when they're getting close. Were you aware of how close you were to 50? Of course. <laughs> 
Of course, duh, he knew how close he was. And then there it was, Chanae. And then it was like, okay, you did it. Let's let's get you to the bench. Let's get you to the bench. Absolutely. He played every second of the second half up to that point. For him to be able to you know, score 51, nine assists, seven rebounds, two blocks, steal. I mean, Kevin was incredible. Durant stopping from the elbow. He had it going. He had the look in his eyes that he, he wasn't going to want to come out. He wants 50. Fades and hits. There it is. 51 for Kevin Durant. Are you aware of who's uh, arena scoring record you broke tonight? Who's? Blake Griffin's. And a monster performance by Blake Griffin. He scores 50. <laughs> Not a lot of people have the opportunity to see what goes into something like that. I think for, for me, it's special to see what happens behind the curtains and behind the closed doors and an unreal game by him. So Durant became the sixth player in NBA history to score 50 with three different teams. That joins LeBron, Wilt, Moses, Bernard King, Jamal Crawford. This was Durant's first time scoring 50 since November of 2018, and that's when he was with Golden State. So it's his first 50-point game since then. It's his seventh in his career. Well, eighth if you include the postseason, right? But he's currently leading the league in scoring. So is this, Zach, the best version of Kevin Durant all time? It's like asking, like, is this the best ice cream flavor? They're all. <laughs> you were gonna say ice cream. All, they're all amazing. First of all, but what's I, your favorite? I just have to know. You Rocky Road. You're gonna put me on the spot. Yes. Uh, vanilla and chocolate mixed together. That's right. Um, Meringue. Wow. Hey, look, look, look. Enough. <laughs> First of all, I love that KD answered the 50 question honestly. Like yep. KD, you, you love him or not like him, he's always honest. He couldn't help but give an honest answer. Yep. Yeah, I knew. Like the politically correct answer is different than that. <laughs> is it the best ever? I think last year's playoffs and this year's KD. It's just about as good as basketball gets, so yes, and I think his defense this season has been underrated. The Nets are a top five defensive team, and you look up and down the roster, it's like, how is that even possible? Well, you have a seven-footer who can guard every position, switch across every position, block shots, rebound. The load he is carrying is massive, and I just think it's just majestic what he's doing. Thank you for bringing that up. Top five defensive team. I mean, that is super impressive because when the big three was assembled in Brooklyn, the idea was that this is the best offense. We saw all those numbers, and so they're going to try to make sure that they have that balanced basketball. But for me, yeah, this is the best version of Kevin Durant that we have seen since 2013-2014 when he averaged 32 points per game, and he won MVP that season because he's right up there at 29 points per game. Uh, he also averaged 30. I think it was in 09-010 when LeBron won MVP. But the reality is, I mean, there have been so many changes of season. I know we're all like into the winter now winter has come um, but like that's what he's been able to do in multiple facets of the game weather the storm weather the storm of metaphor you're thank you I brought you full circle yeah but being that lone piece that can always go out there and always say get you a bucket but most importantly just be consistent after years that have been tumultuous with injury has been very very impressive right not to mention like you said that he did it after an Achilles injury and has sort of redefined how we think of how a player can come back from, he and Breonna Stewart yes right from an injury Breonna Stewart absolutely <laughs> that was seen as so catastrophic but remember James Harden he rested last night so that means the rest of the net starting five were LaMarcus Aldridge Patty Mills James Johnson and DeAndre Bembry so that that's not exactly the scariest group, right? So with that as the backdrop, is what Kevin Durant is doing for Brooklyn more or less on par with what impresses us about what Steph Curry is doing? 
Well, I would actually say it's pretty equal in my estimation. Both Steph and KD have all-star running mates, Draymond Green and James Harden, even though he didn't play um, you know, just recently. But if you look at what they've been able to do, they've been consistent for their squads. Both of them are pacing their conferences respectively. I know the Suns, we're going to talk about power rankings and all that stuff. That's in a little bit. But yeah, I'm very impressed. I just think that the, the difference with Kevin Durant, like, yeah, we have higher expectations mm. offensively with James Harden than we do per se with Draymond Green. But Draymond Green is a defensive player of the year and has been holding it down. If you look at some of the defensive numbers of the Warriors, it's quite wild. Even, you know, when you pinpoint Steph, and that's the Draymond Green effect. So overall, I think both of these guys, they're 33 years old, and they understand the assignment of keeping everyone afloat until their all-star players come back. Mm. Uh, question mark Kyrie, question mark when question Clay mark, comes back. Question Clay's mark, coming back mark. soon, which I'm very excited. Right. Can I just be impressed by both? I just want to be impressed. Okay. I just want to be impressed by both because they're both so impressive. But I will say the difference is the Warriors have an identity that is consistent night to night. They have a style of play that doesn't change. They have a bunch of players who fit that style of play. You roll the ball out, they know how they're going to play. The Nets, it's like a different starting five every night. Sometimes the spacing is good, sometimes it's not good. Sometimes they play traditional defense, then Claxton comes in and they switch everything. Durant has been the constant. You can switch yep. everything else around him. He's been the constant. His minutes are crazy how yep. many minutes he's playing. So in that sense, just adapting to a different environment every night, he faces a different challenge than Curry does for sure. You mentioned it, 36 and a half minutes per game. That's what he is averaging this season. Brooklyn hosts Toronto. That is tomorrow night. So I do want to shift gears here a little bit, you both. We are almost two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, and COVID has impacted countless lives across the world. There have been over 270 million cases, and that includes more than 5.3 million deaths. And the matter of the fact is that coronavirus, it's not going anywhere. It's part of the way we live our lives now. So please, please wear a mask, get vaccinated, and have empathy. But sometimes, those precautions, they aren't enough to keep you COVID-free. And that is the same no matter whether who you are, whether you're here hosting a show, whether you're at home watching this right now, whether you are some of the athletes that we root for or cover. Today, multiple professional leagues, they've been impacted by COVID. And the NHL's Flames, their next three games have been postponed after six players and a staff member entered the league's COVID-19 protocols over a 24-hour period. And in Manchester, the Manchester United, they're in talks with the Premier League about postponing Tuesday's match at Benford after the club closed its training facility due to coronavirus infections. And the NBA, it's also fighting this fight. And no team is fighting it more than Chicago. And earlier today, our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski, he reported that the NBA is postponing the Bulls' upcoming games against the Pistons and the Rafters after a 10th player entered COVID-19 protocols. So Alizé Johnson, he joins nine other Bulls in the NBA's health and safety protocols. That list includes Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White. Players in the protocols, of course, must enter quarantine for 10 days or return two negative PCR tests in 24 hours. So as I mentioned, Adrian Wojnarowski, you've been all over this reporting and you now join NBA Today. Thank you for being here, Woj. How did the NBA come to this decision to postpone? I'm like really a number of factors, but the list of players you just gave and uh, the fact that uh, Chicago, who would need eight eligible players to play, uh, this is just such a skeleton version of a team. And the fact that, you know, listen, players are going to start coming back 
out of COVID protocol, they may not be ready to play right away. Kobe White was at the facility yesterday trying to ramp back up. Uh, and certainly, you know, that the health of, you know, not just their players, but other players. You don't want other players on other teams to be exposed to, to bull players uh, who may be positive. And, you know, part of this decision, I'm told, to the Chicago Public Health Department, uh, they did not want to see this Bulls team uh, with 10 players in protocol. Uh, continue to be out on a court exposed not just to each other but other players and you know those were some of the factors uh, the most significant factors in the NBA postponing uh, Tuesday's game with Detroit Thursday's game with Toronto uh, so the Bulls do not play again until next Sunday at home against the Lakers mm, so Chicago we know though they're not the only team that's impacted by COVID but they're feeling it the most right now why might we be seeing more cases with the Bulls than other teams across the league Woj yeah this has been a, a dynamic that's uh, you know teams talked about from the very beginning of the season that could be an issue and you're seeing it now you saw multiple cases in Charlotte they're starting to get some players back out of protocol but remember if players are vaccinated and, and really close, almost close to 100% of the players in the league are, uh, 97, 98% now, they don't test every day. So once the Bulls got a positive test with a player, well, then they start testing everybody. So there are plenty of teams, if players have the virus and are asymptomatic and there's no testing going on, they may be playing with the virus because there's not testing with those teams. Mm. And so I think for Chicago, Charlotte, I think there was a sense there that they were taking out a bigger brunt uh, of, of loss, of loss of players, and having to test every day. Now, starting Friday next week, or this week, you know, if you don't have your booster shot in the NBA, then you'll be tested on game nights. And so I think for uh, the Bulls, because once there was that one positive test, everyone's being tested. And you know, I, remember talk, I talked to one GM today who said, listen, we aren't testing now. We haven't been testing. Uh, but it isn't as if we see players you know, who, are, who might have symptoms and we're ignoring it. We haven't seen that with our group. But that doesn't mean we haven't had players who are positive who've been on the court. Absolutely. And we saw the league change one of those protocols with the booster shot now being a necessity in order to be considered fully vaccinated. We'll see if these protocols continue to change and morph, especially as new variants come up. Thank you so much for joining us, Woj. Coming Thanks, up. Luke. On NBA Today, LeBron James had his 100th career triple-double last night. Is this the best version of LeBron that we've seen? He certainly thinks so. And another week, another setback for Zion Williamson. Is it time for the Pelicans to shut him down for the rest of the season? Live report from New Orleans Plus. Ben Simmons is still a sixer for now, but what are the best trade options for Philly's three-time All-Star? NBA Today rolls on after the break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. NBA Today is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. 
Only pay for what you need. And Hanes. Hanes. Get comfy in the total support pouch with separation and support. Welcome back to NBA Today. LeBron was back doing LeBron things at Staples Center last night when he and the Lakers were taking on the Magic at home. So let's pick this one up in a second. LA was down by five. And this is my favorite LeBron thing. Uh, Zach Lowe, favorite thing. You get what I'm saying? The blogs! Look out! Look the blogs! The chase down. This is Vintage LeBron, my favorite play ever. 2016, you know what I'm talking about. RJ Hampton, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm not sorry. Well, then he was on the offensive end doing this. Terrence flexing, Ross. right? Sorry. Yep, flexing low this time. Ooh, ooh, look at the face. He was filling himself, and we hadn't even gotten to the third quarter yet, and that's where he really went off. That hurt. Cole Anthony's going to have a bruise from that. That's like a hockey check at full speed. And then there's this. This is a full body check. Squat. <laughs> Lean back. Uh, drop off. Those, those kind of lean back. That, that's kind of gyrations make me nervous at LeBron's age. No, he's good. He like is great with balance and obviously. Well, and then you know, DeAndre Jordan looking like a vintage version of himself as well. The Lakers Ooh. they handled 106-94. Here's LeBron after. I feel like I'm getting better and better um, each and every day. Um, I'm getting healthier and healthier, and it's resulting into. <clears throat> into me being in the right place at the right time. And as you continue to learn um, each other in long minutes, you're able to do things out on the floor without even saying anything. You, you can close your eyes and know where your guys are going to be out on the floor. So, you know, if we continue to log minutes and we continue to do what we need to do, follow the game plan, then we put ourselves in a position to be successful. So LeBron says he's getting better and better every day. So best version of LeBron that we've seen in year 19 now? Look, we did a segment last week, is LeBron still a top five player in the NBA? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> and what I said was the four best players this season, whatever order you want yep. to put okay. it. Okay. Giannis, KD, Jokic, Curry. Okay. And I said, I'm grandfathering LeBron at number five. And I, and I will say this. Chanae. I will say this. Game seven of the NBA Finals, you draft every player in the NBA. Yep. I'm still not sure I'm not taking LeBron number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the, no, there is no chess master at his level. There is no one who thinks the game, manipulates offensive possessions the way he does. If I have one game for everything, I might still take him over KD. I might still take him over Giannis. As crazy as that might sound in the year of our basketball gods 2021, to me, the biggest question is how often can he bring that level of defense? Because peak LeBron was a destroyer all over the floor on defense. And this Lakers team, the way they're built, is going to need elite defense from him when it matters. Well, and the way Frank Vogel coaches, he coaches elite defensive teams. That's who they say that their good defense leads to their good offense, Janae. And every time that they have a tough loss, they always say in practice, this is where we reset ourselves on defense. And I think LeBron James, he does his best when he holds everyone accountable on that end of the floor. Now, the players you mentioned, Giannis, KD, Jokic, Curry, it's fascinating that we tend to talk about Curry shooting, Jokic's passing, KD scoring, Giannis dominating, but LeBron James, his best attribute is his control. And I think when you don't have have that tangible, oh, this is what he does well, it's hard. It's easy to say, oh, you know, like not top five currently, mm. got to grandfather him in. But real hoop heads know that that control is what is his best strength. To the, to, I just want to say, I said just so far <laughs> this season, they've been well, the four Well, he's missed like 12 players. games, so it makes sense to like um, But what you said, bit. control is the right word. Nobody manipulates a possession like him. And when the game slows down in the playoffs, when it's like everything, there's five on the shot clock, 
it's hard to bet against him still if he's healthy. And yeah. also, Zach, though, with his age, one thing I've started to see is how he's manipulated his jumper as well. Like, comfortable shooting those long-distance wing threes, comfortable in the mid-post with the fadeaways. Like, that was the one question mark when you're like, oh, LeBron James comes to the NBA 19 years ago. Like, you know, it's great with the athleticism, great with how he passes, but his scoring, his perimeter scoring, you can see him relying more on that. And the fact that he consistently can do that, it's like, okay, I'm going to lean into this bag for us to get a win, to me is super impressive. Well, and the fact that he's still in these conversations with these players that are a decade younger than him, right? And he's still the gold standard. Wild. And you guys mentioned him, but LeBron wasn't the only former MVP that was in action and had a triple-double on Sunday. Giannis went for 20, 11, and 10. That feels like light work for Giannis, though, right? It's his 26th career triple-double, so he's a little bit to catch that 100 that LeBron James has. But the Bucks are on Fire. They've won 12 of their last 14 games. Milwaukee has the second best record in the NBA since November 17th behind Michael Schwartz's son. Producer Schwartz. Producer Schwartz, that's right. <laughs> so Giannis joined Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only players to score 13,000 points for the Bucks in their franchise's history. And Giannis trails Kareem by just over 1,200 points for the franchise lead. And based on his season scoring average of 27.3 points per game, he's on pace to get there by the end of the season. So speaking of Giannis, the Bucks, they are the number five team in ESPN.com's power rankings. The Suns took over the top spot from the Warriors, who come in at number two. We also have the Jazz, the NBA's longest active win streak at seven games. The Nets, the Bucks, it seems like just a week ago, right, that we were talking about the top five. So Zach, who is the team outside of that group that should be, you should make a case for, they should be included? We make fun of them a lot. Ooh. We've talked about the rust fit being a little messy. I'm going all the way down to 13th for the Los Angeles Lakers because let me read you wow. the teams. Don't let no, stop, stop. <laughs> Between 6 and 13, here we got Heat, Bulls, Sixers, no Simmons, Grizz, no Morant, Cavs, Young, Wizards, eh. Clippers, no Kawhi for now. <laughs> Who of those teams are you really taking? One game for all the marbles over the Lakers if LeBron and AD are healthy. The only one that I would hesitate with is, my, is Miami. Okay. Is Miami if they were fully healthy, which they are not. Right. So I'm going Lakers. I hate it when you debunk my argument before I even get it to say my <laughs> argument. Like, really, Zach? The, the team that I actually like currently trending in the right direction that might be able to give the Lakers a run for the money if they are having an off night or a so-so night, the Philadelphia 76ers. Just what they've been able to do. I think they've won, what, five, uh, four of their last five games. Uh, Joel Embiid is getting back to looking healthier and playing more oh, yeah. dominant. Oh, yeah. 25 points per game in his last three games. And you look at the rest. You mentioned them at six. Chicago dealing, unfortunately, with COVID. Miami, injuries, Jimmy, and bam. Memphis without jaw. Philly is one of the few teams, including the Lakers, that are trending upward. So that's my sixth pick. But it is kind of wild. You have teams from like six to 15, all within, you know, I don't feel, I can't say it in COVID, like spitting distance. Like, but you know, yeah, I don't, I, I can't I, say I, that. It, nothing, nothing so, can ever be in, in, in spitting distance. Right growing now. distance. I think the Lakers are interesting. I thought someone was going to say the Grizzlies. I really did. I know they're dealing with injuries. I know they have players in COVID protocols, but they've been impressive, man. They they've have. had an impressive season. So if I get a pick, I, I always might, do. Get a picture. I, I might. I might be saying. I might be saying it's the Grizzlies. I, I really might. But you guys, it has been a long time. Speaking of injuries, since we've seen Zion do anything like what we're seeing right here. So coming up on NBA Today, we'll tell you why you might not see it again until next year. Keep it locked.
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Welcome back to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews. These are my friends, Zach Lowe and Janae Agumake. All right, guys, let's go coast to coast. And let's start with Jalen Brown, who's expected to return tonight against the Bucks after missing the last five games with a hamstring strain. It comes just in time as the Celtics lost four of those fives without him. So how big of a return is this for the Celtics, Janae? Very surprised that the Celtics are under 500, but they're getting 20 points per game back. So I'd be very excited. And plus, their differential of scoring when he's on the floor is dramatic. So... Expect hopefully wins to come for them because they sort of need it right now. Yep, and if he can do this coming back, then the Celtics maybe would join the the Sixers and the Lakers yeah. and some of those risers that we were just talking about because they haven't had the best season to start, but they haven't been fully healthy. The Mavericks, also not fully healthy, but they beat the Thunder to win their first game of the season without Luka Doncic as their defense held OKC to 84 points, both of his favorite teams. A season low for the Mavs opponent. Luka will also miss tonight's game against Charlotte. Zach, do you still have the Mavs as a sneaky title contender? No, I'm taking the L on that one. They are, unless unless the title unless the title is most disappointing team in the NBA, in which case they're not sneaky. Oh my goodness! All right, well, Damian Lillard returned from his five-game absence from an abdominal injury, but he could not stop the Blazers' slide as Portland lost its season-high fifth straight game against Minnesota. Cheney, what do you see from Dame in his return? I mean, Dame is Dame. He's going to still try to put the team on his back, create, especially scoring. That's his bag. But like at the end of the day, I think the conversations are: Are they valuing him as a team perspective building around him and that's what the theme of the year is when it comes to his talent well you know what else last night gave us we we also got to see the Blazers the Timberwolves in that game but it also gave us or at least me a good chuckle because I definitely get territorial over my nicknames when I hear someone else called oh hey Meeks or hey Mika I'm like excuse me who are you talking to that's my nickname and Anthony Edwards apparently feels the same way I don't know I don't know why they call him Ant like, it's, it's, how was his name spelled? A-N-F. So, I don't get the, the um, correlation. No, for sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, they should call him a different name. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, my name is A-N-T. You get where I'm coming from. And his name is A-N-F. But as far as basketball player, he's, he's really good to me. Uh, he make tough shots. Um he defends, like he he can play. And so if they want to call him Ant, they call him Ant number two. Ant number two for <laughs> Anthony Simons. Okay, well, not a lot of basketball to break down there, but who gets the nickname, Cheney? Are you giving it to them both? Well, Anthony Edwards makes a great case. I'm gonna give it to them both. One of the you know, a couple years ago I was talking to Dan and Dan was like, Anthony Simons is really great. He's special, he's young, came into the league extremely young, yeah. like almost a baby, and was able to, you know, make his mark and develops every year. So like it's, it depends on the team, and nicknames are nicknames. It's not like the name, it's like who says the name, right? Mika, Meek, Meeks, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it depends. it's like you have a different for every friend group, who gets to call you what, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Do they both? What's your nickname, Zach? Can, can you, first of all, can you make a choice? Can you make a choice? But coming Se from you, telling me to make a second, choice? Second of all, there's an easy way to settle this. 
Put them both in the dunk contest. Done. And whoever wins the dunk contest or finishes higher gets to nickname him. You don't want to see this guy in the dunk contest? Oh Absolutely. This is this, he, he, Anthony Simons already won the dunk contest, so he You're needs right. to defend his title. Anthony Edwards is the single scariest dunker in the NBA mm -hmm. right now. I mean, people get out of his way because they don't want this to happen to them. They remember what happened to poor Utah Watanabe last year. So that's easy. That's the easy solution. You didn't answer my question, Zach. What's the question? Yeah, what's your nickname? I don't really, I don't really have Zillow? Zillow? Yeah. Zillow's kind of lame. Zillow reminds me of Zebo, and then, that, yeah. you know, like, we'll work on it. We're going to work on that. And speaking of the Timberwolves, they won yesterday, and it snapped a five-game losing streak after Friday's loss to the Cavs. Carl Anthony Towns was despondent when talking about Minnesota's struggles throughout his tenure with the team. I just got to play better, all of us. I mean, it's pretty simple as that. I've lost for a long time here. I'm not trying to lose anymore. It's pretty on. It's pretty simple as that. Life don't feel the same. I'm just tired of saying a bunch of stuff because it never translates to the next game, and it's a very frustrating thing. All right, Zach. So, Cat's in his seventh year with Minnesota. They've been to the playoffs one time. Is it time for the Timberwolves to start looking at moving him? Anytime you're talking like this, you're <laughs> not in a good, a good mental place. This is a very sad posture. Um, look. He's got two years left after this one on his contract, so in theory, this would be the time to start sniffing around. But look, they're ninth in the West. They're on pace to at least make the play-in tournament. Everyone, th this is as weak as the West has been outside the top three in a million years. They should be going the other way and saying, why, why not? Why can't we be a team as Edwards, Russell, Towns coalesce together? As, as Jaden McDaniels gets better and better off the bench, why can't we be like a sixth seed mm. that nobody wants to play in the first round? Zach, what is your issue with that growth? Because we have expectations with that young big three. Like, we're excited about their potential, but what do you think the issues for Minnesota is? Number one, they're the worst defensive rebounding team in the NBA by a million, by a million miles, which is inexcusable. And just defensively, they've been pretty good this year, but that Russell Edwards Towns trio, they got to prove it on a big stage. But I, they, this is a solid team. They have a lot of weird pieces, a lot of guys who are great defensive players but can't shoot, or good offensive players who can't play defense. So they got to mix and match the right lineups. But I, I think they should be at the very least in the play-in tournament. Well, and after Carl Anthony Towns said what we just heard, they did bounce back. They beat the Blazers. So let's see if they can kind of extend that streak and keep it going. Let's stick with news in the Western Conference because in other news on Saturday, the Pelicans announced that Zion Williamson will be pushed back in his rehab as the team continues to wait for the bone in his right foot to properly hear following off-heel following off-season surgery. It's unclear when he will return to the court at this point. And Zion last played in May of last season. He went for 21-12-7 before missing the final six games of the year. He had foot surgery over the summer, and then in late November, the Pelicans announced he was cleared to participate in team activities, but he suffered a setback on that. And then on Saturday, the team said that would require him to dial back the volume and intensity of his training. And remember, this is the second time the team has announced a setback in his recovery. So now, with more on the status of Zion Williamson, is our Pelicans reporter, Andrew Lopez. So, Andrew, can you give us a little bit more about this latest setback the Pelicans announced over the weekend? Yeah. To, to first, let's understand that. Let's go back to the first setback uh, back on December 2nd. So 11 days ago... He was cleared for practice, cleared for full team workouts, and was supposed to start five on five that day. Uh, we got to the facility that day, and that didn't happen. Uh, Zion was experiencing soreness in the foot, and they thought just giving him the weekend off of, of, of kind of backing away from some things was going to help. They had a road trip at Dallas at Houston. After that trip, though, 
things persisted. Uh, at some point last week, they got another round of imaging and that showed that the bone was not healing the way they want. So at this point, it's unclear when he will return. Uh, you're probably looking at maybe three to four weeks before another round of scans happens and then they will probably take the next step from there uh as to you know whether he can start one on oh or whether you know they could they have to continue this dial back process well and that's got to be incredibly disappointing for such a young player who at this point has missed more games than he has played in do you get the sense that the pelicans believe zion will play this season Right now, they do. Uh, this is not a, a, a shut him down for the season type of injury, even though I know we're, uh, we're already, what, 29 games in for them. They still feel like he can play basketball this year. There is a wide option of uh, outcomes on the table. While that may be one of them, that it, they do not think that is a likely one. They still think that Zion Williamson will be able to play basketball this season. Well, that's the silver lining. And in the meantime, all you can do is hope that he recovers in these next couple of weeks before the scan and he's able to continue to progress. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. Really appreciate it. We'll have a Western Conference NBA Wednesday doubleheader for you this week. The Lakers face the Mavs at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. And then Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz hosting the Clippers. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. Coming up, is the chase for the all-time three-point record bothering Steph Curry at all? I mean, he's a pro, but that and more on Curry next on NBA Today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. I'm Stephen Curry and you're watching NBA Today. Not tomorrow. Steph Curry in the shooting zone like very few have ever been. It's NBA today. Absolutely ridiculous. There's never been anybody like him. I usually let my play do the talk. Bang! <laughs> Welcome back to NBA Today. So the chase is on. Steph is now just seven three-pointers away from breaking Ray Allen's all-time record. So it's likely to come in the next two games, either tonight at Indiana or tomorrow against the Knicks. Steph has made just 3.13s per game in his career at Indiana, 25th among visiting arenas, but he's tied for his most makes per game and has his highest three-point field goal percentage at New York because who doesn't love playing in the garden? NBA reporter Nick Friedel joins us now. Nick, you were at Shoot Around today. How is the chase affecting Steph? Malika, he's actually in a really good place right now, but both he and Steve Kerr admitted they have one regret over the last week. In retrospect, the only thing I would have changed is, I mean, I would have still talked like that crazy fake type of mentality of, yeah, I could have hit 16 and broke it and, and, uh, at home. At home, 
think that conversation sparked a little extra, uh, I don't call it tension, like, anxiousness about the whole thing. I fed into it because, you know, somebody asked me if Steph could break it at home against Portland with 16 threes, and I said, sure, because nothing Steph does surprises me. But that fed into the narrative. He came out and he took 17 threes that night. Our crowd was going crazy, you know, from the very beginning. And I'm shaking my head, thinking, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> now, Malika, Kerr knows that he fed into the narrative a little bit, but everybody in this Warriors organization feels a little bit calmer in the last couple days. They want this thing to happen for Steph. They really want it to happen tonight. And I have to point out that just behind me, we've got nine and ten-year-old kids stopping 30 feet from the basket and jacking up three. So the Steph effect is in full force out here. And I think there's a real hope internally that if he hits his first couple shots early, he'll get going and he'll hit Ray Allen's mark. The Steph effect in full force. And, I mean, I, I know that they say, yeah, they bought into it but it's hard not to buy into it this is fun this is exciting Nick thank you so much for being with us I really appreciate it so back with Chanae and Zach watching every game it seems like every team is committed to not letting him break the record against them you heard what Joel Embiid said I wasn't letting that happen on my court Chanae how are teams attempting to shut him down I think that the Philadelphia 76ers had an excellent uh, blueprint for this. So can y'all run me my tape, producer Kwaku, baby? Uh, because Matisse Thibault did an excellent job, especially from three. Three for 14 from three, Steph Curry. This is how you get it done. Chase him down. Go over the screen and extend and block without fouling. Great defensive possession right there. Now you have to use half court as another defender. Look at how Joel Embiid hawks the ball. So when he crosses half court, you know he can pull up. He's going to try to get a quick three. And instead, he's forced the ball out. And then you're there, ready on defense. Now this time, use the baseline and the help defender. Again, Joel Embiid, active. Use the baseline. Let me see. One, two, three, third defender. And you're able to force him to kick the ball out again. Uh, watch this possession again here. Hawking the ball. And it might look like, oh, that's an easy pass. No, because of that pressure, you look past the person that's right in front of you. So you force Steph to be uncomfortable as possible, starting at half court. But honestly, I would say three-quarter court because that, that man is just different. Now, mind you, I know it is pressure. It is a media narrative. And as an athlete myself, I get what that's like. He's going to get it, and it's still going to be a happy time. Is it a media narrative if you're chasing a record and you're closing in on no, it? I don't I, think that's a media narrative. A I think narrative. that's a fact, and everyone's just excited and watching it, and it's like there is this entire – I get it. I mean, actually, I don't get it. I've never had that kind of pressure on myself with the weight of the world, everyone watching every game every night. But it's exciting, and Steph is an – like, he is the – ultimate professional and so in the next couple of games whether it's tonight whether it's right. in the garden he's going to be all tonight. right all right zach says he's getting it tonight. I feel it. I feel we it. just saw though on the other side of the tape that we were just watching it was the 76ers but you know who wasn't on the court ben simmons so coming up next on nba today where might we see him land what trades make sense stay tuned You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. 
So on Friday, Woj and Zach Lowe reported that trade talks surrounding Ben Simmons, they've heated up a little bit. And sources told Woj and Lowe that Philadelphia has been aggressively trying to assemble a two- or three-team deal structure to deliver them a package that would include a top 25-level player. And for more on this, I want to bring in our front office insider, Bobby Marks. Bobby, you released an article on ESPN Plus today with Kevin Pelton, essentially hinting at the fact that you don't think the Sixers can land a top 25 player for Simmons, but you did drop some other potential trades in there as well. Can you outline the Brandon Ingram deal for us? Yeah, you're right. I think a top 25 player is a challenge, and that leads us to those next all-star level players. I call them the Tier B All-Stars, and it certainly stands with, uh, or starts with Brandon Ingram. It's a straight salary swap, Ingram, for Simmons. I think the big question, Malika, is how does it fit in Philadelphia, where you already have Tobias Harris, and how does it fit in New Orleans, where you have Zion Williamson, although injured, both players kind of duplicate each other. And what else would Philadelphia want back? So, um, works money-wise, but certainly from a basketball standpoint, there are some concerns there. So let's get into a couple more that you proposed. How could the Sixers make a deal work around DeMonted Sabonis at the Pacers? Yeah, that's my favorite one. Mm. Uh, and it was just named um, Player of the Week in the Eastern Conference this week. And when you look at a player like Sabonis, he's got a team-friendly contract, 19.8 million. He's under contract for another three seasons. You'd have to add another player just to get the money work. Um, so is that maybe a player like Karis LeVert? Maybe you get a third team involved, potentially like Cleveland. But here's the question. How does Sabonis fit next to Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid? And uh, one thing to note with Sabonis, 63% of his attempts this year have been uh, less than five feet. So does that duplicate what uh, Embiid already does? Mm. Or is it just a situation where you get him and you figure out something like that later? Right, and you mentioned that Sabonis was the Eastern Player of the Week, Western Player of the Week, LeBron James. He's certainly not available. So walk us through a trade for De'Aaron Fox of the Kings. How might that look? Yeah, it's similar to what we were talking about with Sabonis, and I think certainly you could do a Simmons for Fox, you know, straight swap, or maybe you do include a team like Indiana where a player like Sabonis goes to Sacramento. But here's the question. You're looking at a player, a young player like Tyrese Maxey, is he kind of having a better season than De'Aaron Fox right now? And I think you can make the argument yes. So does that kind of duplicate getting Fox, but a little bit more expensive? So. Another one of those trades that works, but from a basketball standpoint, I think there's some current concerns there. I got one more for you, Bobby. How about C.J. McCollum? Would the Sixers be able to make something work there? I thought you'd never ask about C.J. McCollum. <laughs> yes, certainly a McCollum for Simmons swap works, but here's the question if you're Joe Cronin, their interim general manager in Portland. How much do you have to give up and how much is too much here when you look at potentially a player like Nasir Little. Um, certainly draft picks would have to be involved. Keep in mind, Malika, they owe, uh, the Trailblazers owe Chicago a protected first round pick this year. Well, are you willing to lift that protection in order to trade future picks, 2024, 2026? So certainly a deal like that works, but I think if you're Portland, you have to ask how much is too much. Mm, well, thank you, Bobby. You've certainly given us something to chew on here. I do want to bring back in our panel. Zach, I want to start with you. Which, if any, of the, the trades that Bobby Marks just proposed are you filling? The only one I'm super interested in is Ingram, and I don't think that's realistic because the Simmons-Zion fit, theoretically, in New Orleans is not awesome. Look, between Seth Curry 
and Tyrese Maxey. I have two small guards who are balling out, so I'm not sure the Sixers would be really that super into getting De'Aaron Fox. My center is a top 10 player in the NBA, so I don't really need DeMontis Sabonis. What I need is a 3 and D and a lot more wing, and that's what Brandon Ingram is. I just don't know that he's gettable without it being some sort of wacky 3 and 4 and 5 team monstrosity. Here's the Blazers one because I do think the Blazers who are slip sliding away need to shake things up and I think Simmons and Dame are a great fit. If Dame is off the table, I don't know if Philly does this. My hunch is they wouldn't mm. but this is the place that it. Uh, this is the landing spot to me where both teams have to have the all hands on deck meeting. CJ McCollum, Nasir Little, a, a tweener forward who fits what I want to do in Philly. Two first round picks, maybe lightly protected, maybe unprotected. That's the point where Portland, I think, is giving up a fair price. Anything more, mm. and I think they get spooked. We're giving up too much of our future. Anything less, Philly doesn't listen. I don't know if the Sixers do that deal, but that's a, that's a fair-ish trade to me. I like Today that. Is not in like you're speaking the gospel. Oh, yeah, pr- I, preach, Zach, because, you know, I was looking at this and writing notes as you were going. You know, B.I. and Sabonis, 3 and D, you sort of feel good about the defensive prowess of the Sixers. And then Sabonis, you, you sort of get sort of uh, like Al Horford vibes, like will mm. this work, you know, another dominant center. Um I like the guard angle with De'Aaron Fox and C.J. McCollum, but I lean towards C.J. McCollum. Interesting. Well, we'll see if any of those end up going down. But coming up, it is the top of the top from the weekend that was. These plays, these ones right here, they didn't even make the cut. So you got to come back to find out what did. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. NBA Today is brought to you by Hornitos Tequila. A shot worth taking. Please drink responsibly. Welcome back. So it's Monday, and that means we have three days worth of top of the top worthy moments and plays to show you. So let's start with top posters because Nick Claxton. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh let's go to Chuck the Jersey, too. Look at this. Who but? Clint Capella. Oh, yeah, he brought him down. Clint Capella's been on the wrong end of a couple big dunks in but the last couple of years. This is the two man game that Brooklyn was missing when, when Nick Claxton was out. James Harden loves playing with him, and KD loves that play. And then we have this, oh, Brandon this is Ingram. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Give me more of that bi. Decisive, quick, aggressive. Get out of his way. That's a beautiful. And the length there. I mean, what? Beautiful. Nice little hook. Dunk. And hang time. Hang time. There you go. All right. Well then, we got this. Check this out. In the NBL. Oh my goodness, this was crazy. Oh, oh sorry, Delhi. And sorry. They took it, and he took it personally. Uh, there's no need for this. Today, I mean, would you defend your teammate like that? No. Oh, yeah. I already talked to my mom. I was like, Mom, if something goes down, don't be surprised. Like, well, we know that's RJ's boy, but I'm not sure that he would <laughs> defend him like that. So, yeah. we'll see. You're right. None of us. We'll see. All right. Top blocks. Let's start in Toronto with Svee. Oh, okay. that's pretty I nice. Like that. Svee, all right. And, oh. and he got lucky on that. Oh. 
Yeah, that was great. Get up. Robinson, yeah. That's, that's one arm easy. One arm. That's nice. It's fun when a seven-footer gets blocked by well, a smaller guy. Always it? fun. Oh, yeah, I guess so. This was a fun block. Well, don't, I mean, what do you, you just, he's calling for the goaltend. I like the effort calling for the, calling for the goaltend. You guys. <laughs> got to try to save some dignity. He said, no, no, no. Not today. Matumbo. Oh! I can see it Big over and over and over again. Right Whole at world. the apex. That's beautiful. That's Whole beautiful. World. All right. Well, let's stick in that game because top impersonation. I could not believe this <laughs> when I watched it. Dwight Howard, he saves the ball. Oh. It hits Wendell in the face. Wendell, by the way, is one of the kindest humans in the NBA. It's really hard <laughs> to watch that. It's not. It's just... And then... This and is funny. Braun was wild in the whole game, and I loved it. I'm here for it. Oh, and him and Kevin Durant went back and forth. By the way, guys, um, Zach Lowe's nickname, Chaz. Oh, Chaz, that's what on. I like it. Chaz, we'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm sorry, yeah, Wendell Carter. Yeah, I really gonna, that's am. That's going to haunt me tonight. I'm here for it.